Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big difference and an impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. And joining us right now is the Managing Director of Envision Dallas, Davis Dupay. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great this morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. I am so glad to have you on to tell your story. For those who don't know, Envision Dallas is proud to be one of the largest employers of people who are blind or visually impaired in the United States. In other words, you provide employment opportunity for those who either cannot see or are visually impaired and your operations is right here in Dallas, and you guys do the most remarkable things. First of all, how long have you been with your organization? And I know you're just proud to be there. I, I am, Chris, and uh, super proud to be on the Envision Dallas team. I'm coming up on three years, so December of 2019 is when I joined the team. And uh, I got to tell you, it's been an absolutely amazing experience. And uh, being being new to Dallas and new to, to working with folks who are blind or visually impaired, this experience has been uh, one that uh, has been truly life-changing for me. And, and like you said, we're one of the largest employers in the country of people who are blind or visually impaired. And what we get to do is manufacture, uh, run call center operations, and a distribution business right here in Dallas. And uh, what you didn't mention is what we do with all those profits then is actually provide services for folks who are blind or visually impaired. So we have a clinic, assistive technology. We'll get into all of that. Uh, but it's a great dual-sided business where we're – you know, in, in one side, employing people, and the other side, helping serve people who are also blind or visually impaired. That is what I find so amazing and so impressive and so great. Uh, what's What are some of the things that you guys actually manufacture? And then we'll get into the call center and the different opportunities, because I think it's just absolutely impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. So uh, we have a workforce in, in our manufacturing business that 75% of the people who are on our workforce are blind or visually impaired. And a majority of our business is for the federal and state government. We do have some commercial work. Uh, but right here in Texas, uh, we make reflective gear and safety vests for Texas Department of Transportation and other, uh, other agencies. So if you're on a highway in the state of Texas and the individual is, uh, uh, who's working on the, the road is uh, an employee of the state, we make uh, all of their safety gear, so the shirts, the vests, the trousers. Um, so we're very proud to do that. And uh, we also then manufacture for do in our uh, textile business for the federal government and for the Department of Defense. So we have uh, an entrenching tool carrier, a shovel carrier that we make for the United States Army. 
And then we're about to launch this great new product where we're going to be bringing combat uniform trousers for the United States military uh, right here to Dallas. So in the next couple of months, we'll begin production on uh, probably about 10,000 pairs of pants per month uh, for the United States military. And over the next three years, this is going to create jobs for 50 people right here in Dallas who are blind or visually impaired. So outside of our textiles, we also make uh, permanent highlighter and dry erase markers. So we ah. bring in plastic resin and, and uh, mold, the, mold all the components of it. And uh, about four, four to five million markers a year uh, flow through our facility. So folks are making these. And, and it's great because 16 people work on that line. 15 of them are blind or visually impaired. So it's great to be able to create jobs for folks in there. Uh, we make retirement binders, award binders for the United States military. And this is a great story. So we started making uh, a retirement binder for the United States Air Force in July of 2020. In June of 2020, if you retired from the Air Force, your retirement binder was made in China. Wow. And now it's made by a group of blind individuals in Dallas. And so way better, right? And right. Uh, every time I bring someone in from the Air Force there, they, uh, who, who's retired, they ask me for one of these so they can replace their, uh, their other one that they may have gotten in the past. And, uh, and so the, we also make eyeglass cases for the United States Air Force and uh, other paper products. So it's a, it's a great operation. Uh, we've got uh, about 150 people in our manufacturing business, and uh, it's amazing to be able to see the work that these folks can do. And we can create uh, opportunities for folks who are blind and jigs and fixtures um, so that anyone, uh, regardless of their uh, ability to see, can be able to be producing and adding value to, to our society. This is absolutely amazing. Like I said, it's so incredible because, you know, people who are, you know, visually impaired or blind, they they don't want to feel like they're a burden, but they also have lives to live. They They want employment. They want to do everything that everybody else does just because they cannot see. Everyone isn't musically talented like Stevie Wonder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, but you still want to be able to have a, a great living or, or a good living. So tell us how Envision first came into being, or at least how it came to Dallas. So uh, the Dallas Lighthouse for the Blind uh, had been in this community uh, since 1931. So we're going on 91 years here. And uh, started off making uh, brooms. And it was individuals who are blind in a sheltered workshop. Uh, when I meet folks that have been in this community for a long time, uh, they remember that there would used to be in like the 50s, 60s, uh, blind individuals and make brooms and they'd go and sell them door to door. And uh, I, I hear stories from folks as, yeah, my dad would buy one every time. Even though if we didn't need one, we'd always buy one. But uh, Envision, which is based out of Wichita, Kansas, mm -hmm. uh, came in to acquire the Dallas Lighthouse of the Blind in 2018. Um, the organization had just uh, had kind of fallen on some hard times that Dallas Lighthouse had, needed new, new leadership and new uh, vision. And so Envision um, had the... The strategy um, had the, the capital, had the resources to come in and take this organization to the next level, acquire the Dallas Lighthouse in 2018, and it's been um, an entirely different business ever since then. And, and the work that we're doing here has um, just grown exponentially. And so um, we started, like I said, 91 years ago. And if you think about who we are now, we're still this entrepreneurial mindset. What can mm -hmm. we do next? How can we grow? How can we do new things? You know, it's staggering, Chris. 70% of people who are blind or visually impaired, 70% are unemployed. Yeah, that, so, that's amazing. And all they're, the only thing they're lacking is, is, is sight. 
you know, they yeah. can do anything else. And they're just, they just need that opportunity, right? Yeah. And so when they come into Envision, we, we marry that up and we create this opportunity for folks. And, you know, it's great because you walk through our manufacturing facility and we've got folks that have been here for uh, five, five weeks and we've got folks that have been here for five decades. And, uh, and, and they're, they're proud of what they do. Uh, we were an essential business. We didn't shut down a single day during COVID. Mm-hmm. And our pe- it meant something to our people to know that we were manufacturing for the United States military, that we're protecting the people who protect our freedom. And uh, they take a tremendous amount of pride in that. How long has Envision been doing things with the military? Because I think it's a perfect marriage. As you mentioned, it's not like you have to outsource it overseas. It's like right here in America, and you're doing things for the United States government and our military and, uh, you know, the real heroes, the whole nine yards. How long have you had that that contract or that relationship? Yeah, the relationship has been very long. So uh, we operate on the federal government side through uh, National Industries for the Blind, mm-hmm. um, through the Ability One Commission. And so that's how we get and keep our contracts. Um, and then similarly in the state, through the Work, uh, WorkQuest program, which in both of those areas, because we have 75% of our people are blind or vision impaired, we're able to get and keep our contracts. We've been doing uh, retirement binders for 20 years and trenching tool carriers for 20 years. Uh, some of our other products uh, go back uh, to the to the 60s and 70s. And so it's amazing to look at this longevity and think about, wow, you know, we've got we've got one guy on our team, Jetty, who's been making eyeglass cases for the Air Force. He's been on our team 27 years. You meet him, he'll tell you, I make 500,000 eyeglass cases a year. 13 and a half million eyeglass cases since I started here. And he takes pride in that. And it's, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And again, I like the relationship and it's a long-term relationship and goes back decades. And basically tell me if I'm wrong on this, you guys create these different ideas or different things that uh, Envision can do. And you present this to the military and say, Hey, we can do this too. Absolutely. And so uh, we've got a great, uh, great relationship with the military um, a great partnership there. And, and it's all about for us launching new products. How do we bring uh, new things to the military, new opportunities for them, and, you know, quality products, right? If mm-hmm. you think about the products we've talked about, uh, combat uniform trousers, an entrenching tool carrier, a 9-millimeter ammunition pouch, which we had made for a couple of years. These are products that are key components for a warfighter. And just because it's made by someone who are blind or visually impaired, we can't have a product that's less than perfect. Correct. And so – uh, we can't put a warfighter in danger because our product didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, you know, we bring these ideas that we know we can execute on, that we know can add value. And, you know, our goal is always to provide the best quality product at the best price for the government. Are there any uh, veterans on your staff? There are. We have a, uh, a dedicated effort to, to hire veterans and to make sure that we're continuing to provide employment for, for those folks. Um, and again, they, they, they've used the product, right? Mm-hmm. They've, they've gotten the, these when they've been issued, they've received the awards. And so they're making products that they've also uh, gotten on uh, when they serve. We're talking with Davis Dupay. He is the uh, managing director of Envision Dallas. One of your slogans is we have the capability, we have the capacity. And let's just go ahead and go into the call center because we're talking about technology now and you know, in today's world with social media, but not only technology, analogs and algorithms and AI technology, <laughs> it's, it seems like it's a perfect fit if you've got the, the staff that can handle it. Tell me about how Envision 
is utilizing call center services. Yeah, this is this is absolutely amazing. And so um, our our team uh, of of agents who are blind or visually impaired will use a couple different software programs. One of them is called Zoom Text, which is a magnifier of a screen, mm-hmm. and one of them is called Jaws, which stands for Job Access with Speech. And so you could take a fully blind individual. And they'll have a, a screen reader, and JAWS will be reading everything on their screen in one ear, and they'll have a customer or a client reading or talking to them in the other ear. And so we've got these agents who are proficient and are able to you know, navigate their computers and do everything that uh, a sighted individual can. And we do everything from sales for better business bureaus across the country to inbound customer service, outbound survey work for the Centers for Disease Control, and we're super proud that just recently we started a partnership with the city of Dallas, and we are doing um, a portion of their 311, the non-emergency number. Oh, yeah. uh, we've got seven, seven blind agents working on that, and it's great. Um, the city had a, a tremendous need, and that's one of the things. When, when you have this unemployment rate with people who are blind or visually impaired, and you think about, wow, we have this great resignation going on. Every time you turn on the news, they're talking about, how hard it is to hire employees mm-hmm. and how um, the unemployment rate is, is so low. Well, here's the deal. We've got a dedicated workforce. We have very low turnover. Our people find a job, they stay. And so we're able to offer a service and connect people with opportunity. So cities and governments and uh, private employers are coming to us saying, hey, we can't find labor. Can you help us? And so we're able to partner up with with different corporations and businesses and cities and connect them with our, our team who has that labor and dedication. And like we talked about before, just needs a chance. This is so, this is, like I said, this is absolutely amazing. I'm just grinning as I'm listening to you, but I'm also reading on the website for, cause you never know who's listening to this show. And there's a lot of business people, corporate executives who listen to the show and they're probably going, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And your call center services, it says Envision Interface is a contact center firm that specializes in customizable business development solutions for businesses and nonprofits, inside sales, lead generation, appointment setting, answering service, remote receptionist, order taking. You guys do it all. We do. We do it all, and we do it with excellence, right? And uh, the, these folks are incredibly dedicated. Call centers are are notorious, notorious for turnover, right? Yeah. And uh, you gotta have the, you gotta come, have a certain mindset, and you gotta have a, a certain temperament. It's hard work. Man. It is. Everybody <laughs> and, uh, can't do this, especially you have to have a nice tone in your voice all the time. Absolutely, and so. We're able to get people that can, uh, you know, be dedicated. And, sure. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. They're absolutely amazing, and they appreciate the opportunity because, again, sometimes people take it for granted. If you have a disability or you're challenged, whatever it is, people think, okay, well, you can't really do too much when you have probably a greater skill set than someone who has sight because you're able to take advantage of some of your other senses. Am I wrong? You are. You are not wrong at all, and so – you know, we we will say that you know, as a generalization, folks who are are blind or vision impaired are are great listeners. Yes, right? and so that uh, that becomes a a sense that uh, works well for them. And so, if you think about it, they've got these screen readers that are reading at a ridiculously fast pace because mm-hmm. it has to process your brain has to be able to process all that information that you would see on a, a typical screen and be able to still have that conversation. 
And 100% of the time, when I bring someone through a tour, a donor, or a new customer, or you know, someone from the community who just wants to get involved, and we take them up to our call center and they, they put on a headset and they try to listen to Jaws, their jaw drops. Yeah. I could never do this. How do you do this? And then we put a customer in the other ear and they you know, fall off their chair because they, there's no way I could do that. And, uh, and then you look at what we're doing and our team has, you know, near a hundred percent order accuracy and, and they're blind and yeah. they're able to do it and, and outperform, uh, you know, most typically sighted people. I think it's because they appreciate the opportunity just a little bit more. I think sometimes, you know, as, as for example, you were talking about how traditionally in, in call centers, there's a lot of turnover because, you know, sometimes people get distracted or they have other things they want to do. Whereas, you know, your, your labor force, they're very appreciative of the, of the opportunity. And they also love the challenge of, of excelling at what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so we've got this, this guy in our call center, his name is Anson. Mm-hmm. He's been on our team for three or four months now. And when he first got here, I, I started talking to him and, and he's, he's fully blind. And I said, Hey, just tell me your story, man. Let me, let me hear, you know, how did you get here? And he said, well, actually I'm a, by trade, a journeyman electrician. Um, I lost my sight 15 years ago and I got connected with Envision because I came for assistive technology training and in the services department here, someone trained me and taught me how to use a computer. Miss Donna taught me how to use Microsoft Word, taught me how to use a computer. I went to college. It took me a few years, but I graduated from college. And now I wanted to come back and work and give back an organization that gave me a chance. Guy shows up probably 50% of the time in a you know, jacket and tie <laughs> looking better than anyone else in the team. <laughs> yeah. It's a tremendous tremendous amount of pride in what he does and and so like you said uh it's just an opportunity and chance and so we gave him a chance we helped him learn and we gave him a job and he's uh excelling and it's amazing he brings great great vibe and uh great uh personality to our team okay back to the call center it may not just be the call center but are there opportunities at envision for those who are visually impaired or are completely blind to work from home so we have we have some work from home opportunities in our call center, mm-hmm. uh, but we really focus on the the, the team and the culture. Right. And so um, it's important for us to have that that in person culture um, and that uh, that teamwork environment. And it's just kind of a, a cornerstone of who we are. Sure. Um, and it's been great for us. So we do have uh, we do have remote employees across the country, um, but most of our people are based here in Dallas. We're talking with Davis Stupe. He is the managing director of Envision Dallas, an outstanding organization that not only employs individuals who are blind or visually impaired, but you also manufacture so many things and have that call center. Let's talk about some of the things that you guys have. Uh, the low vision uh, clinic, for example. What is the low vision clinic? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got this great uh, great partnership, and so um, our good friends. Uh, Gigi and Carl Allen um, have funded the uh, Gigi and Carl Allen Family Vision Rehabilitation Center. Okay. And uh, it's amazing what we're able to do from a process of providing um, assistive technology for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so folks to come in and say, hey, how do I use a computer? How do I use my iPhone? How do I just navigate uh, DART and the, the transit system? We'll help people with that. And, you know, it's sometimes for just basic communication. Uh, sometimes it's then for 
how do I get a job? How do mm-hmm. I take those skills then, uh, like our friend Anson we talked about a minute ago, and use that to, to get a job? You know, going and losing your sight uh, can be challenging. How do you navigate your space? How do right. I get um, how do I get from home to work? And so we have an orientation mobility specialist who's amazing. And so she'll work with folks on how to use their cane, how to get from one place to another, and go out in the community, teach people how to get through the grocery store. Uh, we've got an orientation, I'm sorry, an occupational therapist. Again, how do I use uh, some of these devices and technology? Uh, and it's amazing. This is just a group of, of great people. And last, uh, last November, uh, Dr. Carolyn Carmen, uh, who's like a world-renowned uh, uh, vision specialist, uh, came and opened a, a low vision clinic here at Envision Dallas and uh, serving people. And there was this tremendous need and this massive weight when people come in and say, I'm losing my sight. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I maximize the vision that I have left? Right. And Dr. Carmen is, uh, like I said, world-renowned, uh, came to us from the University of Houston, and is working with people, and, and she's a specialist, uh, not just with people who are, are, are blind or visually impaired, but also then has that dual diagnosis of maybe a child who has special needs who's also going blind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm incredibly proud of the work that she's doing to help people maximize their functional vision and be able to maintain as much independence as possible. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I was thinking. I have a friend named Joe who over time was losing his sight, and he's completely blind now, but when I first met him, he could see, and there's so there's different different forms of blindness and and becoming vi- visually impaired. Some people are born blind. Some people, like I said, over time they become visually impaired and they be, eventually become totally blind. And then there's those who wind up in accidents and become blind. And so you're able to take people of all different levels of visually impairment and find ways for them to become independent in their lives. Can you talk about like your your Esther's Place model apartment or some of the other things that you do because this is just I think your organization is just absolutely incredible because as you mentioned there's 70 percent of the workforce who are blind who have no jobs and I think what you're doing is tremendous yeah well thank you and it's great so so yeah you mentioned Esther's Place right so we have this this model apartment where people can come in and uh, we could provide the training how do you how do you cook if you're starting to go blind or you're going blind or mm-hmm. eventually do go blind? How do you navigate your space? And so our team will work on some of those functional tips and techniques um, to be able to, you know, maintain that independence. How do you, how do you wash your dishes and your laundry? How do you, um, you know, pills, right? We'll work in, and get people set up with like RFID readers to be able to read their prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. So they can, you know, make sure that, is this my, my pain meds or is this my ulcer medication, right? Two very big problems sure. the wrong one. And so, but, and, and help people with technology, right? At the, at the end of the day, programming a remote control for TV is hard. And, and uh, even if you're sighted and so yeah. helping folks with smart technology and Alexa and Google home, things like that. Uh, so they could be able to navigate their space and, you know, little devices like, uh, you know, how do you, uh, how do you cook and, and be able to work your stove? And, uh, we've got this great lady came to us at the, uh, at kind of the height of COVID, right? She was, a an older lady who had, um, her friends in her cul-de-sac would come over for margarita Fridays. Ah, right? mm-hmm. Margarita Fridays can't beat it. But the only way she knew if the margarita was at the top of the glass was she put her finger in the glass. 
and pour until it hit her finger. Mm-hmm. Well, COVID came. No one wanted to come to her house oh, for Margarita yeah. Fridays. They didn't want to get COVID. Mm-hmm. So we set her up with this great little device that you put in the glass, and it buzzes when you hit uh, the top of it so she doesn't have to stick her finger in the glass again. Margarita Friday's back on. <laughs> that sounds like a fun story, but at the end of the day, having a disability can be incredibly isolating. Yes. And so for her to be able to continue to have friends and to continue to have people come to her home uh, was incredibly empowering for her mm-hmm. in a way that most of us wouldn't even think of. You know, I'm glad you brought that story up because I was telling you about my buddy Joe. Joe loves to go to the movies to this day. He cannot see the screen, but he loves being in the atmosphere and he loves listening to the movies. And we can fill in the blanks on some things with him, but he's he's still a part of being, you know, a part of the gang, hanging out with everybody. And so I, I love the fact that, you know, you guys create these opportunities for people who are visually impaired to lead as normal lives as they possibly can. Yeah, and, and, and so we have uh, you know a couple couple Friday nights a month. We do a bingo night and an art night, and, <laughs> um, and it's folks who are blind or visually impaired, but they'll bring their friends and their family. Yeah, and it's a great community, right? And yeah, this, this atmosphere of just joy and fun, and getting to know folks that are um, kind of in a similar situation, and mm-hmm. just hey, I'm going through what you're going through, and uh, but I just want to I just want to be a, a regular guy, a regular gal, and just and just have fun. Speaking of having fun, I mentioned I got to hear about Envision because I was talking to our chief meteorologist, Dan Brunoff, who actually went out to Envision Dallas and did a program about weather. I think you guys invited him out. Were you there that day? Can you tell about some of the guys or different groups that you have come out to talk to the the, the staff over there at Envision and some of the employees? Because Dan had a ball. Yeah, this was great. So um, our program manager, Jennifer, uh, partnered up with Dan, and uh, you know how do you how do you make learning fun, right? And yeah. so we had these uh, group of blind children uh, that we we're working with that you know she wanted to teach about meteorology and about um, just you know how do you do science. And so Dan came out and spent the day with them, and uh, they got to be weather casters. Uh, and so it was like seven, eight, nine uh, BVI kids, and and learning with him and. Uh, we had an artist come out and help with that, and uh, just incredibly empowering, right? Mm-hmm. The things you would see in a, a typical classroom environment, they were able to replicate and uh, be able to set up so that uh, a student who you know, didn't have their sight didn't have to miss out on this. And so it's those partnerships that, that make a huge difference and that creativity. You know, we're just trying to be a resource here in this community, and, you know, whatever the community needs, as uh, we want to make sure that we're responsive to that. And so helping these children have that opportunity was, was a blast. Are there any other things going on up in the next few months that uh, we can look out for, or at least the staff can look forward to? Because again, the pandemic is subsiding to agree to the degree and people are getting together more. And, and I'm sure there's more opportunities for people to come out to visit, or you could have different groups get together for various reasons. Yeah, absolutely. We love to, uh, we love to engage folks in this community. Um, and so we, you know, we have uh, different events that happen throughout the, the month. Uh, our website and, and Facebook is usually a great way to get connected with us and, hey, I want to volunteer, I want to participate, I want to come take a tour. Um, you know, we've got uh, a lot going on and we just bought a, a new building. Uh, you know, you mentioned that we're nice. right down the street from you and mm-hmm. we're uh, we're moving to, to Farmer's Branch here in the next year and a half. So 
recently kicked off a, a capital campaign to to expand our operation. We bought this beautiful 210,000 square foot facility. And sounds like you uh, got a campus now. <laughs> we do, we do, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. And so we're proud of the work that we're doing, but we're just getting started. That is fantastic. Okay, so let's say. I'm visually impaired or blind or I know someone or someone in my family is and they're hearing this show and they're like, wow, Envision, I want to work there. How would they go about getting involved or how would they reach out to you guys? Yeah, the best place always to go is to our website. So EnvisionUS.com, that has all the information on there. Um, It'll talk about our clinic, how to get our services, uh, and then our employment opportunities, both in our, our manufacturing and in our call center and uh, we're on a amazing growth trajectory, and you know, over the next two and a half years, we're going to hire, uh, create jobs for 200 more people who are blind or visually impaired. So we have a, a tremendous amount of opportunity, and we love to love to connect with folks who are looking for looking for an opportunity. And you also mentioned partnerships. Is it, you want to shout out any of your partners right now? You mentioned the city of Dallas. You mentioned the the U.S. military. Are, are there any other uh, partners or? If people who were interested in partnering with uh, Envision to do some of the things that they need done with their corporations. Yeah, so we're we're incredibly grateful for um, our good friends uh, at the Elsie Industries Foundation. Uh, their uh, chairman, Bill Hudson, uh, they came in as a lead gift for our capital campaign. So always love to give them a shout out. Our good friends, Gigi and Carl Allen, uh, for the amazing work that they do. The city of Dallas has been a a great partnership. Um, we actually do survey work uh, for the Centers for Disease Control with the University of Pittsburgh. So proud of those guys and uh, the work that they're doing there and, and just everyone in this Dallas community, right? Uh, this this community's rallied around us and, you know, we're uh, we're grateful. We're grateful for, for you all and, and uh, the work that you're doing to support us and uh, couldn't be more grateful. Well, before we get before we let you get out of here, I've got to go back to how you first got involved with Envision. Was it everything you thought it would be? I mean, tell me how it's, I, I know it's, it's so fulfilling for you, but can you talk about again <laughs> what it has meant for you to be in this organization? Because you, you just, you express yourself so well explaining all what you do. And I'm like, dude, you've only been there for three years. And you, I mean, it's, I know you're impressed, man. <laughs> Well, thank you. This is a great story. So um, I was in Wichita, Kansas, which is where Envision's headquartered. And uh, I got to know uh, our CEO, Michael Monafronti, and uh, he was looking for a new director down here in Dallas. And he said, you know, I just we just acquired this organization. It's struggling. We need someone to to run it. Um, I had my whole background was running schools for kids with special needs. Okay. And I said, I said, oh, not really sure, but I'll come and take a look and flew down here and uh, showed up on a Tuesday morning, and it was their uh, their Tuesday morning staff meeting. And uh, the organization was struggling. They had people on temporary layoffs. Uh, there was just uh, it was a bad time. And uh, I listened to the organization. I listened to all these leaders talk about the challenges they were facing, and there was a sense of hopelessness, Chris. And not one person talked about uh, the future could be better. And uh, 30 minutes in, I text my wife and I said, "We're moving to Dallas." And she said, Michael's offered you a job. And I said, not yet, but he's going to. (laughs) Well, you need to understand that was the first time I'd ever walked into a manufacturing facility was that day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had dinner with Michael that night. And I said, Michael, here's the deal. I've never done manufacturing. I've never run a call center. I've never done distribution. I've never worked with folks who are blind. uh, But I think I'm your guy. And uh, 
it worked out. And so offered me a job. We moved down here five days later and uh, haven't looked back. Man, I love stories like this. I love when, you know, preparation meets the opportunity. And like I said, it's not a job, it's a career because you love what you do. I don't think they could pay you enough to do what you do because you love what you do so much. Man, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to Dallas, David. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate you and your kind words. Oh, yes, and we got to have you back on again real soon because we got to get an update on what's going on with Vision Dallas. Again, Envision Dallas, check out the website if you can. What's the website again? EnvisionUS.com. That will work. That's David Stupe. He is the Managing Director of Envision Dallas. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And joining us now is Will McCall. He is the CEO and president of Dallas Leadership Foundation. Hey, Will, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for asking. Well, you know, a lot of people have heard of Dallas Leadership Foundation, but maybe they don't know a lot about it. First of all, explain what DFL is, because I know it's a nonprofit leadership organization that partners, equips, and resources local leaders to build healthier communities throughout the Dallas area. But a lot of people don't. Go ahead and break it down for us. Well, you did a great job of uh, <laughs> just giving that soundbite. I think I'm going to start saying it just that way. But I'll add a little to that. Um, so we are a 27-year-old Christian nonprofit focused in three areas, mm-hmm. in neighborhoods, in reentry, prison ministry reentry, and in schools. And in all three of those areas, we focus on developing local leaders, not the business, ca- the captains of industry, not the... Uh, politicians, not the uh, pastors, but the everyday folk, those those grandmothers and, and, and uncles in the neighborhood that care about the neighborhood, but but need just a little bit of support and resource to exercise their leadership gift. That young person in the school that a lot of people thought, hey, they're not really valuable and they're overlooking them. And we find great leaders there. And then we also go into the prison, and we find men who have been discarded by society, some by the things that they've done, some by the thing, the way that people see them, and we show them that they have a leadership gift, and they exercise it in the prison. They prepare to come out into community and to be a benefit and an asset to the people around them. I love the way you put that, and I love the fact that you guys are doing this ground-level work because, again, Especially, let's start with the prisons right quick. Just because Mm -hmm. a person goes to prison, they don't stay in prison, and that doesn't mean that their lives are thrown away. You 
I got. I guess you guys present the opportunities and let different guys know that when you come back home, there's a place for you and there's something that you can do. Absolutely. The overwhelming majority of people that go to prison will come back to their communities. Mm-hmm. And if they come back um, being uh, trained by an antisocial environment, when they come back out into society, they're con- they will continue to be antisocial. So what we do is we work to develop a pro-social environment in the Hutchins State Jail where we uh, run, we run 232 of their beds. And if we can develop, if they can develop pro-social uh, habits in that antisocial environment, when they get out, they, they knock it out of the park. And we've seen that over and over and over again. You mentioned over and over and over again, how do you identify those who have that gift or who, those who are quote unquote leaders and you want people to follow them in the right direction or have them utilize their skill set where it helps their communities and help transform their communities? Wow, that's an excellent question. Uh, thanks for asking, Chris. So, so we see every person has a leadership gift. Okay. Some have the gift just to lead themselves. Some have the gift to lead their families well. Some have the gift to lead a whole community or a nation. And what we do is our job isn't to uh, identify which leadership gift they have. Our job is to create an environment where their leadership gift can flourish. So everybody's a leader. And what we do, especially in the prison or Mm -hmm. in all three areas, but in the prison, guys choose in to our faith-based dorm. And then they go through... Uh, several classes. We have about three hours of classes inside the prison from fatherhood, of course, to Bible studies, to financial literacy, to workforce development, to uh, mental health. Uh, all across the board, we work with those men to uh, do the things that they need to sharpen and to embrace their leadership abilities before they get out of prison. Let's stick with the prison uh, topic real quick here because I think that's so impactful, especially knowing that people do come back home again and they want to be productive. And people who live in their community, they know those guys from so many years and they, you know, that's like, okay, let's do something together. Can you talk about how you've built those relationships over these years? Because I think that's part of the key that, you know, there's one thing to say, okay, let's, let's uh, work with some guys. But you actually have to have some relationships or people in the Dallas Leadership Foundation have relationships with people who have reached those people who grew up in the hood. Again, Chris, you know us. I think you know us as well as we know ourselves, well, maybe a little better. Yes, sir. Sunny <laughs> so, South Dallas. So, well, well, the bottom line is we are a relational ministry. We are a program that is built on relationships first. We're not transactional. Mm-hmm. We sit and when we go into neighborhoods, we sit in living rooms and on front porches. When we go into the schools, we're in the school sitting with the kids, the principals, and the parents. And in the prison, we sit in the prison, and we know the folk. Last Friday, we just had our 16th anniversary celebration in Hutchins State Jail with the Faith-Based Dorm program. We had a great speaker. Oh, gosh. Lee. Oh, it's it's okay. Left. Shout out to Lee. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Lee, who's a great attorney, um, and you probably know him, but he, he's done some major cases. Great speaker, and he was great and phenomenal. But you know the real stars? The real stars are the guys. We have four guys speak. 
two guys that are in the program now and two guys who graduated from, from the program. And all four of those guys talked about the importance of taking advantage of the training and becoming a part of a community inside prison and become a benefit, not a taker, but a giver. Yes. So, because great leadership brings benefit to the people that follow. So they understand that they're going to bring a benefit to others, and then they take that out into the community. The other two guys that came in, one runs a uh, a, 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 a remodeling service. The other one has a uh, a roofing company, mm-hmm. a remodeling company that's killing it. One of the fastest black-owned. Uh, construction companies growing in the state right now. And he came back in, and he was in the spot with these guys. His name is KJ. Funny, engaging, and and so I, I, and he can sing. So he's singing. He has his music and all that going on. He has he had this uh, uh, praise team with him. <laughs> and then when he started talking to the guys, he was he was engaging and all that fun stuff. And then he got serious, and he got serious because he understood that you can't play if you're going to be real. Exactly. And that's what he talked about. It's about being real, being 100, 100, really, uh, Chris. Mm -hmm. And and what he's bringing is an authenticity that he discovered by, by, for us, studying the scriptures or just living real. Everybody, we are motivated by scriptures, but you don't have to be motivated by scriptures to connect with DLF. You got to be motivated by bringing value to your community and bringing benefit to others. And that's what he talked about. And he's hired guys just as well as our as, as the other speaker who has a roofing company. That is fantastic. We're talking with Will McCall. He's the CEO and president of Dallas Leadership Foundation DLF. A lot of people familiar with the great work that you do. You mentioned the three prongs of your organization. We've been talking about the prisons. Let's talk about the neighborhoods about the neighborhoods department and how you guys try to equip the local leaders in that area. Yeah. Well, well, again, I really appreciate the, this discussion. So in neighborhood this past Saturday, we were out in the Rosemont apartments on Elsie Fay Hagen, also known as Hatcher. You know what that is? Yes, I do. And so just over there yesterday. Yeah. We were out there with our friends. We were out there with the police department, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of the community police officers uh, that are just so supportive, and the mothers and the children and, and some fathers and uncles out there, and we were giving out backpacks. So we gave out 165, 172 backpacks to, to young families at bounce houses. And so what we do in neighborhoods, it's one, bring tangible resource. So backpacks, um, we, we, we deliver food. We'll do 600 food boxes tomorrow and do that twice a month to, uh, up 600 families. Um, we'll, we'll, um, we do leadership development. We work with neighborhood associations. We work with 13 different neighborhoods as ongoing partners of Dallas leadership foundations. We work with other neighborhoods, but there's 13 North, South, East, and West throughout Dallas that we work with on a weekly, monthly basis in several areas. And we do, uh, we work with their neighborhood association. We build leaders there. We bring uh, tangible benefit by uh, helping with just the aesthetic. So the neighborhood looks better. It's cleaner. We work on safety. So we have uh, uh, what do you call block captains and community mm-hmm. captains that watch out and work with us and the police to make sure the neighborhood is safe. We bring other resources and partners in 
to uh, help us with that. We also uh, help with um, getting work and getting them to uh, uh, connecting them to good living wage opportunities. And again, financial literacy is a big part of it, food and health. Let me go ahead and give you the shout out of some of these neighborhoods and schools that you're working with. The Berkner High School, Hamilton Park Neighborhood, Lake Highlands High School, Lake Highlands uh, Freshman Center, Woodrow Wilson High School, Jubilee Park Neighborhood, Owenwood Neighborhood, uh, Ring of Hope Boxing Club, where we I ran into you just the other day uh, yeah. with all the kids. And, man, Chris is unbelievable down there, the way he trains those kids up. Uh, Dolphin Heights Neighborhood, uh, Belay House, uh, Mill City yeah. Neighborhood, Roofco neighborhood, Ideal neighborhood, Bertrand neighborhood, H. Grady Spruce High School, Hutchins State Jail, as you just mentioned, Wynwood Heights, South Oak Cliff High School, Roosevelt High School, Carter High School, Westmoreland neighborhood, Victory Gardens neighborhood. I'm going to tell you something. I took a shortcut because I said, I'm not going to go through the Mixed Master. I'm not going to go down 35 because I'm, I'm just headed down towards South Grand Press. I'm going to go right through mm-hmm. the hood and get on to Illinois. And I went through all the different parts of town yesterday afternoon. And I'm like, you know what? There is tremendous growth, but there's also tremendous pride. I was like, look at this yeah. over here. I saw brand-new apartment complexes. I was like, wait a minute. Right off of 45, that, that didn't make no sense yeah. to me. I was like, this is yep. things are changing. I was so impressed. They're changing, and a lot of it's staying the same and going backwards. Everything's changing, not all for the better. Right. So let's go ahead and talk about what we got to what we got to do, and what you're keeping yeah. your eyes keep your eye on the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, so in our neighborhoods, in our communities, like you said, the city is transforming in a in a very in a positive way. The thing is that we have large pockets of our city that are forgotten, mm-hmm. and we have family members. Not only are they forgotten, but they are gentrifying. And so now, not only is it, okay, well, we can't get the services, but the housing cost is we can't afford it. So we got to leave. Yeah. And so, and then once the services started coming, start coming, once you get a different group and demographic in there with more income, the people that have been... Uh, the stalwarts and committed to those communities mm-hmm. are pushed out so they don't get the benefit of all the hard work and commitment they've had over the previous decades. So it's important for us to work with neighborhood associations because we work with the local leaders. We're not going to just work with ind- individual families, and we partner them up with other nonprofits, with churches, with businesses, and with groups like, uh, say, say Friendship West Baptist Church, a Highland mm-hmm. Park Presbyterian, a Preston mm-hmm. yeah, Preston Crest Church of Christ, a St. Luke Community United Methodist. Methodist, Hamilton Park United Methodist. There's a bunch of churches mm-hmm. that we work with that are so committed. And then we'll connect with Home Depot. Home Depot, we were yes. out in June. We worked on about 50 some odd pro- projects, over 50, I think it was 57. And Home Depot had 100 plus volunteers. Texas Instruments, over and over again, has br- sent volunteers out to work with us in the Hamilton Park area. So there are great corporations that are committed. Um, There are great uh, churches that are committed. There are great nonprofits that are committed. But the thing that we're called to do is to have excellent relationship with them, highlight the, the, the wonderful work that they're doing, and then create new relationships, new bonds across 
across across everything, across denomination, across race, across cultures, across town. So the the big thing for us is that God is glorified by the great work that people are doing to bring benefit, tangible benefit to their community. Well, I don't know how you do it. I don't I don't know if there's enough time in the day. You're busy seven days a week with DLF. In fact, we've been going over some of these initiatives, the financial empowerment, the food distribution, the neighborhood support, the neighborhood navigators, the uh, prison, prison reentry support, uh, the youth mentorship, the workforce development, the rental and utility assistance programs, the workforce developments, where you serve. We've talked, you talked about all the different churches. You guys have got a, an extreme broad network of churches, of, 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 of faith-based organizations. How are you able to get all of this together? Because I know Dallas Leadership Foundation is not the only leadership foundation in the country. I, I know you've been involved for quite some time, but how were you able to get everything under this one umbrella because you're able to touch so many lives and reach out to so many people through so many different organizations? Yeah, it's back to where we started. Relationships, you mm-hmm. just got to slow down enough to get the real work done. Uh, everything's done. Uh, there was a book uh, that had a title that said, you know, we do things by the speed of trust. And like we that. understand, we, we calibrate our activity to the speed of trust. So we don't go ahead of people. We don't have to have something happen before our neighborhood leaders are comfortable or before our business partners are comfortable or the foundations that we partner with that are so wonderful to us are are comfortable. What we do is we sit and we talk and we show and we explain and we and we and we wrestle with whatever we're called to do together until we all have a comfort level and then what happens is that the, the trust expedites the impact. Mm-hmm. But first, if we don't have trust and we just try to get to something with cheap, you know, agreement, right. usually it doesn't Transactional. Last. Yeah, transactional. You got it. You know, I, I look good. If you look good, so let's do this. No, what is good for the community? What is transformational? What's bringing tangible benefit to the people that the Lord and the community is calling us to serve? And when we when we come up with a strategy and a process and resource for that, then we can move forward. And so we've been doing this again, twenty some years. I've been there twenty twenty seven years, twenty yeah twenty seven years. I've been mm-hmm. there twenty two. And uh, so we built those relationships, and the relationships we started with in '95, we still have those neighborhoods as partners. So mm-hmm. we just kept adding to them. We don't just do a project and we're gone. We're in for the long haul. So let's talk about how you got involved personally, because you've done such tremendous work with DLF, and and you know your story is also significant. Can you tell? Uh, can you share with that a little bit? Because everybody loves to hear the story about how someone who's who's doing these great things that you're doing got involved with a wonderful organization like Dallas Leadership Foundation? Well, it's truly a God thing. Um, I was in the business world, and I was transitioning, trying to figure out what, I was called, what I'm called to do. I started working against like a call to the preaching ministry, the ministry at Friendship West, and I didn't feel called to be inside a congregation. So I was just wrestling with it. And at uh, one point, the Lord kind of had me go into my prayer closet and just say, Lord, what should I do? And I started, I just started a week, a week long process of uh, fasting, uh, sitting in a, sitting in a room and just being prayerful and 
quiet for an hour of powder room in my house, and then I get out and do Bible studies. Did that Monday. Did the whole process Monday. Did the quiet time Tuesday. Opened up my Bible, and the phone rang, and it was this job. Never heard of the place. Didn't know anything about it. Um, the only thing that was a founder, uh, Kathy Dudley, uh, who, who I really, I will always be grateful mm-hmm. to for uh, this opportunity. Her husband was recruiting me. I was in the financial world in commercial real estate. He was recruiting me for a job and he wouldn't leave me alone because he was a headhunter in that, in that industry mm-hmm. and he wouldn't leave me alone. So I just sent him a resume full of ministry stuff. I thought he'd leave me alone then. And then, uh, they called four four months later or so. He called me about this job, and here you are doing these things yep. over the last almost thirty years. And like I said, creating a tremendous impact. Now we've mentioned prisons, we've mentioned neighborhoods, and last but not least, because they are our future. Let's talk about the schools and the youth de- development and the youth department coaches and mentors that you guys use to take care of the underserved communities. Yes. Well, let me just start out with a shout out to the Mavs Foundation, Dallas Mavericks and Chime and Chris Arnold. So (laughs) yesterday we hung out and uh, we hung out at one of our leadership centers. We have two, one in Oak Cliff and one in South Dallas. We were at the South Dallas uh, Leadership Center that starts off as Ring of Hope Boxing. And we're transitioning those into not just boxing, that, that'll stay. There'll be more activity. But then now we're adding more of the out-of-school time, homework, financial literacy, workforce development, and community meetings in these spaces. And the Dallas Mavericks put together and the Mass Foundation and Chime uh, gave us a beautiful, beautiful computer center, a beautiful conference room with all the technology we need in both spaces. We cut the ribbon. And uh, again, shout out to all of you guys and the Mavericks, the whole Mavericks crew. We had a wonderful time yesterday. And so that's going to help us catapult our work with young people. Uh, we work, uh, like you said, Chris, some of those schools we're not as active in now. We, we have some other schools that we are, like Dunbar Elementary mm-hmm. and some with Madison and some others. Uh, uh, and, and we're in these schools, and during the pandemic, we couldn't get inside the schools. So we understood we needed to change our uh, strategy a bit. Now we're getting back into the schools, but we also wanted to be more, have a space that we control in the community. So um, we do youth work. Uh, We do a thing called youth uh, power camp and in the power camp and power lunch. So at power lunch, we go into the schools at lunchtime and talk about all the areas. I'm telling every area and the youth team, I'm clearly not a youth worker. I've been kicked out my, when my children, my sons are in their twenties now, but I tried. I I was I was a substitute youth leader when they were teenagers and high, right. and they gave me the clear thumbs down. I'm just not that guy. So uh, <laughs> I, I I'm not I'm not the one. They they just let me know I'm they too let you know. strict and. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, you said I'll I stay in my lane. Uh, you gonna stay yeah, in your stay lane in now. My lane. <laughs> but, but that being said, I've gone in when our youth team is doing this wonderful work inside some of those high schools that you're speaking of, talking about how to handle social media. Yes. How to deal with authority. We've mm-hmm. been talking about that before it was a hot item. We've been doing it for years. How to deal with male female relationships. 
how mm-hmm. to uh, plan for their future. And let me tell you something. We went in, I think we were in Lake Highlands High School. I went in and went at lunchtime. There's 40-some kids. We're doing all three lunches, you know, at a time. So there's, we, we'll talk to about 135 kids plus kids each lunch, uh, each day in, 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 uh, when we're in the school. And I listen to these kids, what they're dealing with. And we're, in February, we deal with uh, relationships, romantic relationships. And the things I heard, I'm telling you, Chris, I'm thinking these are the ninth graders. And I thought, I'm not old enough. I'm too young for these conversations. Hey. And they were, and, and these, kids, <laughs> these kids are going through it. But I was, I was, I was yeah. taken aback. And I thought, you know, I thought I'm kind of worldly. I've been out there, I've been all over, and I thought I'd seen a lot and heard a lot, and I heard a heck of a lot. Well, welcome to the day and age of social media and TikTok Ooh. and Snapchat Ooh. and Instagram because the, the world is at their fingertips and they see and hear stuff. I tell this to parents all the time, Will, and you could probably relate. I tell them you can't control what they see or they read or what they're around anymore. All you can do right. is try to be a greater influence. All you can do is try to put yourself in the position of being a greater influence and saying to the kids, hey, don't embarrass your family. Don't hurt yourself. Don't make grandma right. cry. You know, because right. you can't you can't control what their friends show them or what. And again, with the social media, you already know about the bullies. You know about the bots. Right. You, you got to know what's right. what. You know, got to know what trolls are. And again, right. that's that also leads to, uh, you know, school kids and mental wellness and things like that that people never thought about, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, and just to your point, I, I listened to the kids first after I got over the shock of what they experienced. I, w- I was impressed with the uh, adeptness, the ability that the our youth workers had in, in, in navigating those conversations. But when I reflected, I thought, wait a minute, these are teenagers. They were talking like crazy. Wow. It was not quiet. They weren't just looking and fiddling and looking in their phones. Mm-hmm. They were engaged. They were they were trying to help. They were literally trying to help one of their friends had a couple of friends dealing with some major issues. And they got the approval of the friend and they brought it to the group and they started navigating that. After they had the small group, they brought it to the big group. And I was just amazed at what healthy relationships can produce. And and we all, if anybody's been around teenagers, your whole thing is, hey, how's it going? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> they don't like to talk. Usually <laughs> just one word. It's yeah. fine. You get two. That's What's up? that's a yeah. lot. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Good. That's exactly it. And they weren't doing that. They were they were so engaged. That's and, uh And and that's what young people need. They need adults that care about them, that that are truly invested in their well-being, and that will give them confidence, not just their parents, of course. We, we, we applaud, uh, uh, revere, and honor parents and caregivers. We're, we know we don't replace them, but we are a partner with them, a partner to the educators. And so that's the work we do with the youth in the youth department. Again, in those leadership centers that you were in, mm-hmm. we do that. We have summer camps. We have interns in the summer that we put to work. We, we you know, we just our whole job is to create those future leaders and help them practice leadership in a community where they can learn. It's 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 a learning lab. We literally do that in prisons and in neighborhoods. It's a lab of it's a leadership learning lab, so we they can get feedback. 
especially our young people, they get feedback on their leadership skills that we, they discuss, they learn, discover together, and then they do des- they do design thinking. Now they're not thinking about it as design thinking. They don't think it think of it as appreciative inquiry, but they do it well. They do it as well as any of our great uh, uh, educational higher learning institutions. You guys are so amazing. Again, that's why I wanted to share the story of Dallas Leadership Foundation with all of our listeners. And is there any way, what's the best way, I guess, if anyone wanted to volunteer or partner with Dallas Leadership Foundation, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, the best way is the, the best way is on our website at DLFTX. So it's like Dallas Leadership Foundation. Texas, dlftx.org. We have a volunteer form. We also, you can also call at 214-777-5520, and our team will respond, and we we can use volunteers in mentorship, going into the prison and teaching classes. We have a transitional home. You can teach classes around there. We have work in the neighborhoods. We do work days in neighborhoods all the time. We have administrative work within our uh, office. We have, if you have a gift, we have a place for you to exercise it. I love the way you approach this entire thing. In fact, I love some of the philosophies you impose. Uh, One act of leadership changes lives. Collective acts of leadership can change the city. And since 1995, you guys have partnered with over 1,500 businesses, faith-based organizations, churches, schools, and other partners to transform communities here in Dallas. We're talking about Dallas Leadership Foundation. Hey, Will, we've got to have you back on again real soon, hopefully by the end of the year, to talk about some of the things you got coming up and things you've done in the recent past. Can we do that? I'd love to. All right. That is Will McCall. He is the CEO and president of Dallas Leadership Foundation. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. So long, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.